Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. Mark Sheeran and I will be talking today about how you learn in our culture the mythology surrounding alcohol and drugs, the the angel and the devil, so to speak. We, along with our colleague Stephen Slate, wrote The Freedom Model for Addictions, Escape the Treatment and Recovery Trap, and The Freedom Model for the Family. The Freedom Model is a completely different approach to addiction, and it offers a real solution. There are two ways to learn the Freedom Model in private one-on-one classes. You can learn it at the St. Jude Retreat, which is a beautiful private retreat we have, or through our at-home Freedom Model private instruction program, which we do via video conference. You can get information about these options at thefreedommodel.org and soberforever.net and by calling 1-888-424-2626. Well, I spent about half hour, 45 minutes this morning. I had somebody uh, message me saying, you know, let's talk about alcohol advertising and and how people have learned through our culture that they need alcohol for certain things, right? The mythology surrounding the magical properties, right, right. And um, and so I wanted to Mark and I wanted to take it a step further, and we wanted to also see why people learned. The, the the idea that that it's powerful enough to take you over right take over your mind yes so so i just spent i literally about 40 45 minutes i was watching some really old like cigarette and mar- or cigarette and alcohol advertising which is hysterical so go to youtube at some point and type in vintage cigarette commercials vintage alcohol commercials and they're really really funny um but but even back in that day cigarettes were marketed as making you um more virile and as being a relaxation for the 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 you know at home working mom and um you know and so since the beginning of these substances they've been marketed in ways sometimes that are accurate and I'm going to read a, an advertisement from the 1800s about um, morphine um, and that was marketed because it was legal back then and it, it was actually realistic marketing. Um, and then I'm going to, we're going to go over some of the, um, the alcohol taglines and advertising that they do right up until today. So, so what Michelle's describing is there's a change in advertising at right about prohibition, and which is the 1920s and 30s, uh, where you see this shift occur. And the shift is from somewhat accurate advertising prior to the prohibition, where they teach mostly that the substance um, benefits you in the body. Physically, right? The physical, like effects. pharmacological, pharmacological effects. That's right. And then, and then, once prohibition happens, and women's suffrage happens, and some different things culturally happen, uh, you see uh, the industrial revolution that played a huge factor in it. You start to see that we become a first, uh, you know, nation. We're no, no longer a third world nation, right? A primitive culture. And when that happens, people have time and they start ruminating on their feelings and things of that nature. They start thinking, psychology becomes 
a, a bigger piece of our society. Thinking about ourselves and our feelings become a bigger part of our society. Mm-hmm. So the focus becomes greater on the mental, supposed mental effects of drugs and alcohol. And then what we see is the demonization of drugs and alcohol and also the magic attributed to them when it comes to a mental problem-solving agent or a uh, an emotional agent or that it has some sort of capability to go into your into your mind out of the body and into the mind that change in a big way was influenced by uh, Bill Wilson and his fantasy of creating the disease of alcoholism which deals with both the body and the mental uh, aspects of the human experience and he he inappropriately created a personified view of the drug so between bill wilson cultural factors you're going to see a difference in the way that drugs are advertised it used to be advertised mostly predominantly as a physical uh, uh helper and it is frankly right because and and it's and it's accurate so she's going to read you a, an ad from the 1800s when morphine and opiates were completely legal. You could get them on at your at your local chemist. They say, <laughs> "Yes, this says this is this is says advice to mothers: Are you broken in your rest by a sick child suffering with the pain of cutting teeth? Go at once to a chemist and get a bottle of Mrs. Winslow's soothing syrup. You can look up Mrs. Winslow's soothing syrup. You find a ton of stuff online. It will relieve the poor sufferer immediately." It is perfectly harmless and pleasant to taste. It produces natural, quiet sleep by relieving the child from pain. And the little cheek awakes as bright as a button. It soothes the child. It softens the gums, allays all pain, relieves wind, which I assume that means breathing. Coughing. (laughs) Oh, coughing. Uh, Regulates the bowels and is the best known remedy for uh, dysentery and diarrhea, whether arising from teething or other causes. Mrs. Winslow's soothing syrup is sold by medicine dealers everywhere. And um, I don't know what it says, but basically Mrs. Winslow's soothing syrup, the active ingredient in it was morphine. Right. Right. And it's very accurate. It is harmless uh, in the right dosages. It is. It does all the things actually that they talk about yes it it, it it literally does all of that so now think about this it's completely legal they were giving morphine to children nothing bad happened yeah to babies nothing to babies bad that were teething not even a year old and it, to this day opiates are used as a pain reliever they're the best pain reliever you can buy that's right and physical pain and in the right dosages, they are completely harmless. Yes. As long as, obviously, you're not getting it off the street and taking it with fentanyl, right? I mean, <laughs> right. you know what market, you're getting. Right. The prohibition is what fueled so much of this this death and mayhem we see today. Yes. So, um, so yeah. at some point with drugs, the the narrative of this being a harmless substance changed and... And it became demonized, and 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 there were always people that used it excessively, right? That's right. So, so at some point, they looked at the people, the the minority, the very small minority that used it excessively, and then they based policy, thinking that they could stop this small minority of people 
and, you know, thinking that there must be something in the drug that makes these people use it, even though the vast majority of people, even little children, were using it with no issues at all. You can see that that switch in the advertising as time goes on. If you look at the ads, uh, and it does happen during the, the Industrial Revolution, that's where a major shift occurs where they start to demonize uh, substances. Substances, all of them. And they, they, and then we, of course, had prohibition and then different laws that, that outlawed the sale and use of, of drugs, and it became illicit drugs. And every time we do this, hmm. we, what we do is we actually increase the value, our perception of the value of the drug in massive ways. Yes. So you, t- so you prohibit people, meaning this, this substance has power. Right? It's so powerful that, that the law will not allow you in your home to take it. Now, that builds value. That builds Absolutely. intrigue. That, that builds mystique. But then, but then you add in Bill Wilson's fantasy in 1935, which becomes mainstreamed over the next 20 years, about it being a disease, a mental disorder, that if you take drugs and like them, I want you to think about that, that it became a mental disorder. It is to this day viewed as one, that if you take and use substances that somehow you you are at the mercy of that drug. This kind of folklore has killed millions of people needlessly over the last eight to nine decades. It's it's completely needless because it's it's fabricated. It's fabricated. And and it's repeated uh, by people being pumped into a treatment system uh, to a large degree now. We, we have massive numbers, hundreds of millions of people that are alive today worldwide that are, are part of the treatment system or have matriculated out and escaped it, thank God. Uh, but that kind of mythology is now mainstreamed completely, that it's cunning, baffling, and powerful. Um, yeah, so. the, the treatment industry itself reinforces all of these beliefs and the magic surrounding substances when they tell you that you're self-medicating um as your mental ills yeah as if as if these substances can do these things now i'm going to read you with respect to alcohol perhaps alcohol has the most magic surrounding it and it is still a legal substance we had a brief time where it was where where it was illegal which was uh, which they quickly saw fueled all kinds of crazy um you know, violence uh, yeah. and the mob. Yeah, it Saint was D- Valentine's Day massacre in Chicago. Think about that. I mean, they're gunning each other down in the streets with automatic weapons because of alcohol. <laughs> right, right. So, so they the, the government saw very quickly. Oh, we can't we can't make that illegal. That we that was a bridge too far. Yep. Um, but but now let me. So over the years, beer ads are fantastic they're so funny you have to just look at them throughout history and how they've evolved way back when they weren't it wasn't about like way back when 50 60 years ago it wasn't so much about the magic in them that is more a recent thing yeah as Um, aa became popular yes it's they've doubled down on the magic um and it here's one have you got what it takes to be a mountain man that's bush beer have you got what it takes to bush Bush, um, <laughs> Captain Morgan, do you got what it takes to be a captain? <laughs> um, so Jack, it makes you a captain. It makes you a captain. Jack Daniels teamed up with Frank Sinatra at one point and basically said that we made Frank Frank. 
Uh, did they? They did. It was Jack Daniels that made Frank Frank. So no. it made Frank be able to sing. It made him gregarious. It made him uh, blue-eyed. It made him yeah. It made him good-looking. Yeah, and very and a, an amazing singer, right? Pinnacle Vodka says dream responsibly because if you drink our vodka, especially our whipped vodka, then you will dream responsibly. Um, Jim Beam says make history. If you have Jim Beam, you will make history. Um, of course, light makes your days easier and won't slow you down. Oh, it and makes the days easier. Easier, so it definitely because, does. That. Because days are tough. I get that. Yep. We all have tough days, so we need Coors Light. <laughs> the only beer that I actually ever liked was Miller Genuine Draft, and it says, "The world's a very cool place. Stay cool with Miller Genuine Draft." Uh, <laughs> I got it. I got it. So I hope you folks are catching on to the absurdity of of these ads but we don't even think about them when we see them no we we, we take them in look at i've got pages and pages of them all right okay so Hilarious. there was a bunch of there was a bunch of like liquor store um like big liquor store advertisers and so somebody compiled all of their different taglines yeah okay you ready here's a few the perfect date night starts here that's these are liquor stores okay um, at the liquor store. So do you go in the liquor store and you have your date? Yeah, the perfect date night starts here. I got it. At serving up liquid courage in the form of delicious cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> liquid courage. Delicious now, cocktails. Now I want you to compare that. Here's I'm going to have a serious point here for a second. You compare that to the pharmacological advertising of the 1880s, right? Yes. Where where it's just talking about in a in a colorful language, no doubt that that these are the effects of morphine for your baby's body. Yes. And he, and now he will be happier because he's not in pain. I, I I agree with that. That's accurate. But but they're not talking about now the baby will dream amazing thoughts of being president. Right. <laughs> right. Do you understand the difference? Or be, or be less stressed out that he's going to get another tooth. <laughs> right. Right. Um all right. Uh Alcohol should be part of every big event. There's a liquor store that they use that as their tag tagline, which that's a good tagline for a liquor store. It is. It is good. <laughs> right. Um, we don't just sell bottles. We sell the stories behind them. Ah, yes. yes. All right. Um, we don't sell spirits. We sell experiences. See, do you, I, I have to show people, though, that this this everything that she's saying is the implication is that the booze will leap out of your blood vessels, out of your cell tissue, go into the constructs of your mind and make you different. This is a blatant lie. It's a lie. They're selling a lie. But we don't even realize it. Yeah. How about add a little sparkle to your life? Oh, yeah, there you go. Sparkle. Um, here's the best one. Fear is proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> now, I got to tell you that, that that in the old days, in the 1800s, they did call, in, in the colonial times, they did call alcohol the good creature of God. <laughs> they did. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. Okay. So, so you see, see this personification. Now, if you have this view, once you delve into this view that alcohol has this power, to go into your mind and take away stress, take away trauma, take away 
uh, or make you uh, a better lover, a better singer, have better experiences, influence you in some magical way. Once you go there, the opposite has to be true, and that is that if you have too much of it, by whatever standard that is, uh, that it's a demon too, that it has the capacity to turn on you. And that's where the team, the the term uh, demon rum came from, right? And that's what Michelle always talks about with the devil on your one shoulder and the angel on the other. Well, we view alcohol and substances in this totally subjective and illogical way because a substance can't be bad. Now, I'm going right. to repeat that. It can't be bad. It can't be good because a substance isn't a moral character. It isn't a moral entity. It doesn't have the capacity to have morals one way to care, to have motive, to hurt you. It doesn't know because it's not alive. So what is alive? We always go back to this. What is the agent of thought? And that's you. So you are interpreting with all this misinformation, this mystical world of demons and angels in a substance that can't be either. This is so dramatically wrong to believe this stuff. But but if you believe it, it's like any religion. It becomes true to you. Absolutely. When you think about, I mean, I want you to just think about, if I say the term happy hour, everybody knows what that means. Right. The comparison is without the drink, it's a sad hour. It's a sad hour. And so, so the thought of... You know, and I've even worked with people who have make their own happy hours at home, you know, where they're like, well, you know, I get home from work and it's my happy hour. And and I'm like, well, does your happy hour have to include a cocktail? Right. You know, that's right. And, and that's what we associate it with. Well, if I don't have a cocktail, how is it going to be happy? That's right. You know, well, there's literally infinite ways it can be happy without a cocktail. Yeah, I think that once you internalize and it crystallizes in your mind that you are the agent and that the alcohol isn't, the alcohol or the drugs, they do have a pharmacological effect and it's very limited. It's limited and trapped within your body. It gives the impression that it's taking your stress away because you interpret your slowed neural functioning as stress relief, but that's you interpreting that. There are hundreds of millions if not billions of people every day that relieve their stress completely in other ways they just let their stress go yeah you can actually just sit down and make a choice to let it go nothing bad is happening to me right now I get to relax for the next hour hour and a half and not have to worry about those things I'll turn my phone off I'll you know click on you know a mindless numb mind-numbing show or I'll go for a walk or a run whatever it is there's there's infinite ways that's right. That's right. So, so, so this turned, this change in perception of drugs from a pharmacological soothing agent of some kind or speed, in the case of cocaine, uh, which was also sold um, legally in drugstores. And, and ironically, it was also used for teething. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. also used because it is a good anal- topical analgesic. Right. Right, it numbs you. If you've done enough coke, you know you get numb physically. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so at some point, and and it's really important to understand that as soon as um, tyranny of experts started to take over, yeah, 
and the tyranny of government started to take over and tell you how to live your life and what substances you could and could not take into your body, they built value, mythological value, into the drug. They, they made it more important than the sugar you put in, in bread or more important than the flour to bake with, right? right. Um, but prior, prior to that importance, it was just a substance that did certain physical things that people were very aware of and was marketed that way. Yes. And yes, some people, very small amount of people, like minuscule amount of people, liked the effects so much that they used it continuously. Mm-hmm. Many of them, by the way, though, were very functional people. They didn't just, and much like today, there are people that are functioning substance users that nobody would ever know, um, but it's it's very underground now, so, so now you don't hear about it, nobody talks about it, which increases the mystique. It increases this idea. Right, when you make things go underground. Yeah. Yeah. That, that it's, you know, only people, the only people that use opiates are, you know, the, the junkies. Right. You know, the people that we, that you envision as being heavy opiate users are all, are all like their lives are falling apart when the, the truth is that's such a teeny tiny minority of people that use opiates. I mean, when you we think about um, how many people use are, are prescribed opiates on an annual basis, you know that, that. I mean, it's, it's probably 100 million people. And they the vast majority, 98% or more, use it as prescribed, and it makes their quality of life good. Right. It takes away their pain. Which is exactly what it's supposed to do. But it doesn't, it doesn't take away their emotional pain. It doesn't make them think that, you know, a bad day is a good day. Right. Um, That's you know. the interpretive value of believing in the magic. So, so if you interpret that it's going to do that, well, my God, it will, because sure. you, that's what you believe, because you're the one in control of your mind. Do you see? It's you all along. That's just you. Now, you might like the physical effect. Right. You might like that. And, and, and that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. But when you fortify that with mythology, that it's actually pharmacologically then jumping out of your body and into your mind to change you, that's dangerous territory because now you're believing in a myth that that can't solve the issue you're trying to solve, hence your frustration and what we call addiction. So what happens is the drug, because it has no ability whatsoever to solve a mental or emotional ill, you get nothing but frustrated, trying. So you're bashing your head against the wall. You're going on wicked benders. You're doubling down. You're desperate for it to solve these issues, and it doesn't. It doesn't. And so you get this little temporary three-drink buzz or or a couple of shots of heroin, and you think you're distracted for a little while. Then it falls flat, and you fall apart. But that distractive value is you is you saying, I'm just going to leave this world for a while mentally. And the drug is just a placebo of that, an active placebo. You feel the physical sensation, and then you interpret that in any way you wish or how you've been taught to think of it. Right, right. And and I know, and I have a, I have a student here at the retreat now where we've, we've uh, had to go over the idea of blackout because just because you can't remember, just because you drink to the point where you can't remember – when you were drinking and you were still conscious, you were still f- 
thinking. You were still stressing. You were still present. You were still present. And, you know, when you wake up the next day and you can't remember, you have this illusion, oh, that I, I drank until I, I was, you know, I was free. But you weren't. You just don't remember. Yeah. You were still behaving in exactly the way in which you wanted to behave because the only one at the helm, the only one steering the ship is you, whether you remember it or not. You know, just short term memory loss. That's all it is. You you killed some brain cells, you yeah, know, that's essentially what happened. Yeah. So so that I want to talk a little bit just quickly, because this is where alcohol use specifically gets so destructive. And, and I would say probably opiate use as well. Benzodiazepines, too. We use more and more. You build a tolerance with certain drugs. With those three, you build a tolerance, right? You you need a little bit if you're drinking or you're using these drugs regularly you need a little bit more and more to feel the buzz so so what happens is you go to feel the buzz the just like anything else you do where you build a habit and you do it frequently the effects that you first got that you first saw and you believed that were so wonderful part of that was because of the newness of the experience right so you would so you would keep using and then it's and then it's fun but everything you do repeatedly gets boring after a while and what happens with these drugs is it gets starts to get boring you're building a tolerance and you're trying to use more and more to get back that same experience that was new in the beginning and and that's when substance use can seem like it's totally out of your control right? That's right. Because you built this habit and you just want to get that back. You want to get it back. And you're not self-aware at that point, knowing that maybe I just can't get that back because it was the newness of it that was so special. Or it was that particular occasion that I felt so good. You know, maybe you got drunk at your wedding and it was a blast. And then, but now you're 10 years into this marriage and the marriage is kind of going sour and everything's going sour and you're trying to get back that feeling that you had. Yeah. You know, with yeah. the alcohol. So, so it, as much as we joke about it, this can be very serious and people do use these substances and die sometimes from them. And it's, horribly tragic because yeah because it's not it's not necessary it's not necessary they're dying from misinformation that's right that's right so so look at you know we hear from people now all over the world yes and they're listening to the podcasts and we get a lot of topics that that requests um and what it's showing us is that uh there are a lot of people out there that that need to read the book or listen to our audiobook from beginning to end um, so you understand what we're talking about here. This, these are the, the amount of misinformation that you that you are influenced by is staggering. Yes, it's staggering. When people come to the retreat, it takes us a minimum of three to four weeks to deprogram all of the the societal programming that you've been infiltrated with. These ideas, these constructs in your mind that drugs have powers, that they actually do all these ma amazing things. So so here's what I'm going to suggest. Definitely listen to all our podcasts. Definitely uh, we have the Freedom Model online program. If you don't learn by, by you know uh, listening or by reading, we have the video course, which we just launched, which is Freedom Model online program. And you can get that at thefreedommodel.org. Um, 
and that might be an option for you. And now also, if you've deprogrammed or you're really interested in this whole movement of deprogramming and people moving on with their lives, we have Freedom Model International, which is going to be solely devoted to uh, replacing AA with personal freedom. And AA is a collective cult, and we're going to show people that they can uh, get out of that cult and move on with their lives. So we have Freedom Model International Seminars, the first one of which is going to be on September 28th, 2021. I hope you'll join us for that, and there will be also a splash page on thefreedommodel.org where you can sign up for that as well. Okay, I think that's it for today. Um, look, at you can always reach us at one 424 2626 if you are struggling. A lot of the people that we've been getting through um, our online, well, our at-home private instruction and also here at the retreat are people uh, that have had really kind of gone off the rails during during the shutdowns, had really struggled emotionally. Um, and, and they're living proof that no matter how much you drink or drug, you can't escape reality. Um, because they did a whole lot of it during COVID and it, it, it did not, it, it didn't work for them, even though they might, might argue with us and we have to deprogram them from thinking it worked even a little bit. Um, but all right. Thank you everyone for listening today. If you or someone you know is seeking help for a substance use problem or any other habitual behavior problem, or you want help breaking free and moving past recovery as well, you can reach us at 888-424-2626, or you can go to our websites, thefreedommodel.org, leaveaddictionbehind.com, and soberforever.net. At thefreedommodel.org, there that's our hub. It's got a lot of resources and information, including some videos, all of these podcasts, the whole, uh, are all of them are there, our eBooks. And also you can get digital editions of the Freedom Model for Addictions and the Freedom Model for the Family uh, for free at that site. Just type in coupon code FREEDOM100 at checkout. Um, follow us on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and subscribe to the Freedom Model YouTube channel. And we will soon be on TikTok uh, just have to have time to get that going. Um, we have a Facebook, three Facebook groups, private groups for people to discuss their experiences, breaking free from addiction and recovery. They are the freedom model group moving beyond addiction and recovery and families moving beyond addiction and recovery. And there are some really great leaving AA groups and deprogramming groups on Facebook as well. From everyone here at the St. Jude retreat and the freedom model, we wish you well until next time.